thought capital. No cash changes hands. Energy justice tax incentives. Environmental concerns. Resource taxation. Highly competitive. Australia is missing out. The social disorganization theory. We cannot think of China as just one big market. Hello, I'm Michael Pascoe. Welcome to Thought Capital, the podcast that delves into the wealth of ideas created by the experts at Monash Business School in Melbourne, Australia. Ten years ago, Jeff Morris blew the whistle on corruption and fraudulent behaviour in the Commonwealth Bank's financial planning operation. Together with three colleagues, he contacted the financial regulator, ASIC, explaining how the CBA was covering up the activities of a rogue financial planner. When ASIC failed to take action, Jeff Morris left his job and went public. It came at a very high price for both him and his family. Many in his situation would not have done the same. A decade and several other banking scandals later, we finally have a Royal Commission of Inquiry into banking and financial services, thanks to the brave testimonies of Jeff and people like him. The inquiry has already severely damaged the reputation of our key financial institutions, Yet whistleblowing can be beneficial to companies. Research evidence actually show if you blow the whistle, it's a great opportunity for firms to detect fraud and correct misconduct at early stage. So I see this as a great opportunity for the company to fix a problem. In this episode of Thought Capital, we'll be talking to lecturer Jinning Zhao from the Department of Accounting about how companies can gain from whistleblowing and better protect the employees who expose misconduct. Shilling, the Department of Accounting and Whistleblowing. Did you get into whistleblowing because accounting was boring? Accounting is really interesting, but what I'm looking at is quite less mainstream accounting, and that's where my research interest is. How did you get steered into, or how did you take off after the whistleblowers? I'm always interested in the behavioural aspects of accounting, and whistleblower is a, such a topical issue, um, as you can tell from the news headlines. So I'm really interested in the series of decisions made by whistleblower and what happened after the brave people like Jeff, they decide to be a whistleblower, how well they be handled. Whistleblowers are many companies' worst nightmare. Example, the Commonwealth Bank. But you say whistleblowers can actually help companies. They can actually be a great asset because research evidence actually show if you blow the whistle, it's a great opportunity for firms to detect fraud and correct misconduct at early stage. So I see this as a great opportunity for the company to fix a problem instead of pushing the whistleblower to go externally. So the worst thing you can do is not take care of a whistleblower internally. Exactly. That pushes them external. Yep. And if you have ex- exposure to external whistleblowing event, research evidence show the company experienced significant cost market valuation is going to drop and the investor will bear all the cost. This isn't just about covering it up, about keeping it private and paying off a whistleblower. It has to go a step further, doesn't it? Yes, exactly. They need to actively respond to it and address the concern and hopefully they can um, put the company back on the right track by fixing the fraud. That all seems fairly self-evident and we can all think of examples of whistleblowers, but To build a business case, to build a research paper, you need a number of examples. You need a bulk of data. You found some. Where? What we did is we did an experiment with 118 um, investigators who actually handle the reports of whistleblowers. 
and that provides great insights as to how the whistleblowing reports will be handled. How do you find 180 investigators? We actually contact the company Qualtrick and we set the criteria that we need people, real practitioners, who handle the whistleblowing allegation before. So they source the such respondents and we recruit them as part of our sample. These were American examples. Uh, the Sabanes-Oxley legislation there requires fraud to be reported now, whistleblowers to be taken care of to a degree. Did that make it easier? That's actually a great point. So US regulator like uh, Security and Exchange Commission, they actually realise it is important to encourage internal whistleblowing. And that's why they recommend the company to set up internal whistleblowing channel. But interestingly, and this is quite important, the regulator doesn't mandate how to handle such reports. So the company itself and whoever is in charge of whistleblowing investigation, they have lots of discretion as to handle it. Whistleblower can be a nightmare, but I think it's even a worse nightmare that you have a whistleblower and you don't take them seriously. For a corrupt company, it's still possible to bury a whistleblower's report. It comes down to the integrity of the investigator then? Yep, and integrity of the investigator, and also it is a really tough decision investigator would have made. It may sound quite obvious that the best scenario is you investigate all the reports you received, but the dilemma is some of the report may be not credible, some of the report may be frivolous, and whistleblower investigator, they actually have a very limited budget to investigate every single report they receive. If the investigator has a limited budget, does that say something about the integrity of the company, how serious they are about taking whistleblowing seriously? That's one of the challenges companies facing, not allocating enough source to the investigation. Now, you were specifically investigating financial misconduct, fraud, which obviously costs companies a vast amount. You would think that they'd be interested in uncovering that and stopping it. Yeah, definitely. But sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's really hard to tell whether it is a substantial allegation ex ante until you actually conduct the investigation. So if it's a credible report, companies should handle it seriously. But because companies don't know whether it's credible or not ex ante, so it's really tough decision how to investigate and whether to investigate at all. What did your research uncover then with these examples? What we find from our experiment is we find... The investigation decision is impacted by two factors. First is the compensation structure of the investigator. If they have greater short-term incentive, they are less likely to investigate thoroughly. And also the second factor is also impacted by how much accountability we assign to the whistleblowing investigator. So yes, you may have short-term incentive, but if you are held very accountable for whatever decision you are making, then you are more likely to take the allegation seriously and investigate thoroughly. The whole question of incentives is under the microscope too. Why don't people just do their damn job? And why do they need special incentives to do it properly? Investigators, they usually have a very limited budget and they may receive many reports, as you can imagine, for a big company. They need to assess very carefully which one they decide to look into and which one they should ignore because they don't have the resource to do it. Investigation is very time consuming and it's very labor intensive because investigators, they need to gather evidence. They need to look into the details to check whether the whistleblowing allegation um, could be substantiated. So 
it's a really tough decision. Ideal situation, they should take all reports seriously, as you suggested. But the reality is, they need to make a judgment call and select which one they should look into, and that's a really tough decision. With fraud, isn't it a matter of the money disappears or the money doesn't disappear? It relates to any type of financial misconduct. Without investigation, without gathering the evidence, it's really hard to tell extenty, and that's why it is important to investigate. But it's also a very delicate decision for the investigator to decide. Out of ten cases that I have received, which two should I prioritize and allocate resource into investigation? Probably the one that's blowing billions, not just tens of dollars. But <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> what do you mean by short-term incentives? What would you prefer to see? What works? Short-term incentive, like bonus plan, right? If investigator they, their compensation structure includes more short-term bonus, uncovering fraud could actually be detrimental to their short-term financial well-beings because they actually will lose money if it's short-term incentive driven. So the short-term incentive is tied up to the short-term performance of the company. If the fraud is uncovered. And the investigation actually revealed the fraud. Company short-term performance is going to take a hit. Consequently, the investigator who are compensated largely based on short-term incentive, they will be worse off financially, worse off. So it actually create a disincentive for such individual to investigate thoroughly because they will be financially worse off. Doesn't this say something about the lack of moral compass of the investigator if they are caught up in their short-term incentive instead of uncovering wrongdoing? Exactly. That's why I find our finding are really fascinating. Is you need to be careful. Investigator, they have their self-interest as well. They are rational individuals. They will try to maximize their own financial benefit. So. The company needs to really consider the compensation structure carefully. Make sure the short-term incentive wouldn't bias investigators' decision. What sort of long-term incentive would you recommend? What seemed to work in this example? In this case, if you instead of giving them a short-term bonus plan incentive, if you provide them more long-term oriented incentive like stock options, you are kind of、uh, aligning their own interest with the best interest of the company. So uncovering fraud. Although it's detrimental to the short-term performance, but it's going to be helpful for the company long-term-wise because the company are likely to detect fraud and correct mis- misdoings. So in that case, you actually encourage whistleblowers to think about the long-term benefit and do the job properly. <laughs> Now, in the American cases of the investigators, Sarbanes-Oxley requires the reporting of fraud. Australia doesn't. Is there still a danger that bad news will be buried by the company, even if they fix it internally? It is highly likely, and that's why U.S. encourages internal whistleblowing. But in practice, it's such a complicated issue for company to handle, and that's why we don't have any mandatory legal guideline how to handle this. And Australia is again, there's no mandatory guideline as well, just like U.S. So. Company has a lot of discretion to handle such a complicated、uh, scenario. How do you convince them to change that? The first step, I think, is important for the company to realize the benefits of internal whistleblowing reports. Instead of seeing your whistleblower as enemies, as threats, as a nightmare, <laughs> what you are using, they should actually use this as opportunity to for the unhappy employees, for the、uh, whistleblowers, to voice their concern. If you think about the motive, right?、Um, whistleblower, 
some of them they do this out of their good intention because they actually want to help the company. They smell something is wrong. They sense something is not going well, and they actually want to report because they have the faith in the company to correct the problem. So you should, as a comp from company perspective, it's a great opportunity, and you shouldn't bury it. We've established the importance of companies creating the right incentives and protective system for whistleblowers, so they can come forward before it's too late. What about financial rewards, though? Some argue this could be the way to go. And also, what triggers a whistleblower to speak up while others stay in the shadows? Zinning Ziao, another key finding in your research is the importance of responsibility to the audit committee. How far up the organisation the investigator reports. Like all tough decisions in companies, do you really have to get the people at the top involved? I think it would be really beneficial. The committee can do a number of very useful things to actually encourage and monitor the process. For example, they can review the whistleblowing allegation. One very typical way for whistleblower to voice a concern is to call the internal hotline. So the audit committee,、um, they have a choice to review all the. Every single call to the internal hotline, and to check whether they、uh, investigate properly. So I think it's really important for all the community to get involved. And if you can get support from senior management, that be really beneficial because you set a tone that we actually encourage and we're supportive of whistleblower at leadership level, and that's going to be very beneficial to the whistleblowing success. How common or rare was that with the investigators that you investigated? We use a hypothetical scenario. So in our experiment, we provide a hypothetical、uh, cases, and what we find is really depends on whether they have weak accountability or short-term incentive. That makes a huge difference. If you have strong accountability and less short-term incentive, they are very likely to allocate enough resources to investigate. Did your research get into the protection of the whistleblowers? Not this projects, but there has been a number of research look at the protection and also the retaliation against whistleblowers. So it's a really tough decision, and for the brave people like、um, you mentioned, Jeff Morris, they have a very good chance of being retaliated against in their workplace. As a rule of thumb, most whistleblowers say, "Maybe don't be a whistleblower." From their experience, and I can totally see why.、Mm. Yeah. What about protecting the investigators? If you get a tough investigator, a dedicated investigator, is that like internal affairs in a police force? No one really likes them. That's I think is a really interesting question, and that's one of the very fruitful research direction we can look into. So, prior research pretty much focused on whistleblower.、Um, little evidence exists as to the investigator themselves. Would be really beneficial to look look at the reaction to whistleblowing decision and reaction to the investigator, as well. I think because of they have a similar concern as you suggested, they may get retaliated as well for doing the job as investigators, and that's why some company they involve an independent legal team to do it instead of asking one of the audit committee to look into it. The Banking Royal Commission has, of course, been a disaster for the reputation of our banks. To what extent do you think that might have been avoided if they had a better whistleblowing investigation and protection system in place? I think if company establish a very robust, very supportive channel for people to voice their concern, 
at early stage, they have greater likelihood to uh, address those concerns and reduce the misconduct, so that hopefully they can avoid negative consequences in the future. So I think if they have done something to better support a whistleblower internally, things might get slightly better for banking industry. Whistleblowing doesn't pay. While there are now whistleblower protection laws under the Corporations Act, the common story of those who take a stand is they generally suffer for it. They lose their job, they miss out on promotions, they can find further employment in their industry difficult. Intimidation, harassment and bullying are common. Yet despite all the stress and hardship, some people still speak out, some still blow the whistle. What are the triggers for whistleblowers? I think the most important trigger is they feel they get ignored and then their allegations are not taken seriously. And they may resort to, what else can I do? I may resort to external channels. And one interesting thing is US regulators, they actually offer financial rewards. So they have whistleblower, they have intrinsic motive and extrinsic motive now to blow the whistle externally in order to obtain the financial rewards. If the allegations are fine to be true and substantiated. Does that concern you? Is that a good or a bad thing? That's a very debatable issue. Actually, it has been a lot of debate in accounting literature whether providing incentive actually is a good thing or not because the other side of view is may encourages frivolous whistleblowing allegations. It may not be true. You just do it because you want to get the financial rewards. So it's a really debatable issue and... I would love to see some research evidence on that. What are the true benefits of providing financial incentives? This does get into that bigger question of accountants and economists tending to look at everything in terms of money, in terms of incentives, dangling the carrot instead of a non-financial incentive. Is it possible to quantify that? Experiment projects that I have cannot answer the question. You need to analyse archival data to see how market reacts to such whistleblowing events. So they have quantified evidence, they have quantitative evidence to show market um, actually reacts to the external whistleblowing events negatively. But in terms of the less uh, tangible reaction, then I haven't seen any research evidence, but it'd be great to have some. Okay, you're going to be hired by company XYZ to set up their whistleblowing protection and investigation scheme. What would your priorities be? My priority is to make sure we hold the investigator more accountable for the investigation decision. And there are a number of ways to do it. First, we need to get all the committee to get involved. So they review all the calls to the internal whistleblowing channel, make sure the important or seemingly credible allegation they don't get ignored. And second, whatever decided by investigator it would be beneficial to disclose the outcome of investigation. Here is what I receive. Here is how I decide whether to investigate or not. And in the last step, here is what I find. I think public disclosure is really important. We need transparency in this whole process. So you've investigated the investigators. What is your next target in whistleblowing? We've got a few very exciting projects. One of the projects uh, we are working on is with we will draw on psychology theory and unpack how individual well-beings affect their whistleblowing intention. Do you mean whether the whistleblower is feeling brave or threatened or what? 
In terms of the psychological well-being and also social well-being and emotional well-being, so we're trying to draw on those three constructs from psychology literature and look at how they feel in terms of those three dimensions to explain who do they talk to when they decide to blow the whistle. Is it their supervisor or is it ethics committee that they are willing to share their concern? Jinning Zhao, thanks for talking to Thought Capital and proving that accounting is not necessarily boring. Yeah, absolutely right. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. You've been listening to Thought Capital from Monash Business School. You can find out more at monash.edu/impact. Thought Capital is produced by Tina Zanu, editing and post-production by Nadia Hume, technical support by Cameron Nickel, executive producer is Helen Westerman.